This is Just a Few Questions from Chicago. I'm your host, Mark Sims. And I have Valerie Leonard on the line. Valerie Leonard is the founder of Nonprofit Utopia. How are you, how are you Valerie Leonard? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Yeah, you are an expert in these uh, 51C3s and nonprofits. You can see, I see all the Valerie Leonard. I see all these charities and all this money. I think when I was reading something today that it was like in 2018, I don't have the statistics, it was like $427 billion was donated in charities in 2018. And here in Chicago, I think uh, some of the anti violence programs are getting like, uh, what, seven, six to eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. I think. Do, all, do these charities really, it was an old saying, a lady said on the show years ago, I never forget this woman, she said, there's a lot of charity, but very little change. So do these charities, are these charities of, uh, effective? It all depends on which charity you're talking about. But, you know, if you're looking at, uh, I guess, change overall in, in terms of the better, where if you were to read a book, today describing North Lawndale and some of the problems and, and read what they wrote about North Lawndale in 1965, you would swear that they were written on the same day. So they have not really made an impact in terms of the quality of life. And that's for a, no, a number of reasons. You know, some are political, but I, I think in many instances, um, a number of our nonprofits, you know, if if the deal is, you know, looking at crime and if the deal is looking at economic development, we have not created models that are effective in, in terms of what we would call being evidence-based, meaning we're following practices that have been proven to work. Some of that is because some of us get so passionate. We see a problem, we want to fix it, and we do it within the best of our ability, but uh, we don't necessarily want to take the time out to step back and study what other people have done and what really works. Sometimes that's hard because uh, money tied to it might be political and our elected officials don't like to necessarily um, take the time to delve into problems because it takes longer than, say, four to six years or two years to quote unquote solve the problem. So and, until we get to the root of these issues, we're you know we're just throwing good money after bad because it, it takes more than money, it takes more than personnel to handle some of these complex problems. And then the organizations that really, really, really do it well, they can do it in a laser focused way, but they have to figure out how to scale it. And when I say scale, you know, create a model that works for several thousands of people at a time rather than one or two at a time. And then now we're at a point where we get these corporations who have money where they can literally throw millions and maybe even a billion at a problem. So they start off with the scale, but they may not necessarily have the relationships on the ground where they can really, really, really make a difference. You know, because you're not going to be able to make a difference if you don't have the relationships with the people, if you don't have the cultural competence to deal with people. And then most importantly, the the folks on the ground have to trust you. And uh, just because you're black doesn't necessarily mean that they trust you. People look at what we do and not what we say we are. I mean, they know who we are without us even saying it, right? 
So th- th- it's a very complex, complex problem. Yeah, because I what, what I see is that there, there's so many issues, there's so many problems. So sometimes yeah. a problem is so overwhelming, yeah, it may not be able to get fixed. Uh, the uh, another one is that, like you said, you, some people some people have a little small five hundred one c three, and they big pimping, they hustling, or they just mm-hmm. they don't have the competence. Uh, you know, we all rise to our level of our incompetency. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's probably, like you said, I glad, that was a great answer. That blew my mind. I have to listen to the show later on <laughs> so I can hear it again. <laughs> and, and, and and so I see all this money flowing, and I want to say, it's people. I, I, you see some real change. I want to see some transformation. I haven't seen a 501c3 other than a, f- a few stories here and there, a couple of outliers here and there. Mm-hmm. Have you really changed things? We we have the same, well, we have the same, a lot of the same problems in Chicago when we were children back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's still right. here. Different, different people, but the same problem. Right. So, so right. how do we fi- how do we fix it? a lot of money or just like you said, expertise, money, getting uh, knowing the land of the uh, later land and know people and and build those relationships. Yeah, you you need all of that and more. Um, yeah, and when I talk about scale, you know, we not only have to scale, but we have to attack different things at the same time. Because, you know, for example, North Lawndale, you know, we have so many issues. You know, it's not just one thing. Yeah, we got the crime. We got school problems. We we got poverty. And, and now people are blaming everything on poverty. But, you know, poverty, to me, that that's just a cop-out. It's, you know, my, my parents grew up in abject poverty. You know, that didn't lead them to a life of crime. Their parents grew up in poverty. You know, you see a lot of African immigrants, they grew up in poverty, you know. So it's not fair to say that because you're poor, you're going to be a criminal. You know, there are a number of other issues. And if you want to look at the crime problem, you know, like I said, you hear all of these strategies, they're really more focused on one, where people can, I guess, use their own capabilities rather than what really causes crime. And when we look at what causes crime, nine times out of ten, it's a psychological issue or a behavior issue. And most of us don't have the competency to deal with that, right? So we design these programs. You know, you always hear people say, oh, give folks some jobs and, and that'll cure all this crime. But if you got behavioral problems and you take those to a job, how long are you going to really hold the job? You know, so we need to tackle our problems looking at different facets of it. And and quite frankly, the science shows stuff that, you know, you talk about every day on Facebook. We have a parenting problem. If parents would just, you know, take control of their household, we wouldn't have these issues. You know, the science shows that parents who are engaged with their children, who discipline their children, you know, they don't have the same kind of problems. And I think it starts there, but if we are two or three generations removed from those households where there is positive discipline, then you'll probably need to have, you know, some outside source, you know, some social service agency that can literally help parents, young parents become, you know, effective parents. And that is helping them to uh, be engaged with their children's education, helping them to reward good behavior from their children, 
and and um, respectfully discipline the the negative behavior so that they can understand boundaries. You know, other problems are environmental problems. A lot of our kids who are dealing with issues in school, you know, they've had problems with lead poisoning. You know, most of us in Chicago, especially if we live in low-income communities, we're living in housing stock that was created over 100 years ago. You know, there's asbestos, there's lead, and that impacts children's um, brain development. It could lead to behavioral problems. It could lead to problems, you know, with attention span. And we know that kids who are frustrated in school, if that energy is not channeled properly, then they can, you know, get into all kinds of activities that are not for their own good. You know, there is a dearth of arts and cultural activities. You know, if if you don't see arts and culture, and especially if you don't see your own reflection in the arts and culture in your community, that that can have a negative impact. So it, it's just so, so many things that we haven't even begun to talk about economic development. And we're so focused on, quote unquote, formal education, you know, to get a job. But I, I think a huge problem occurred when we focused so much on college prep. We took the trades out of the school. You know, when I was growing up, you didn't have to go to a Whitney Young. And I'm blessed to have gone to Whitney Young. Let's be clear. But you didn't have to go to a Whitney Young in order to get a good education that you could graduate and you could come out, you know, making a salary that could help you contribute, if if not contribute, then support a family, you know, because, you know, the, the trades were pretty big and, and other vocational ed was pretty good. And in fact, you didn't necessarily have to graduate, you know, because, again, you had that learning uh, with, you know, with the hands and other skills. So well, we have de-emphasized yeah. that. And that's a problem. Well, we went to high school back in the in the seventies, and and so we've seen the deindustrialization of America. Now you got mm-hmm. the, of course, the robots are nothing new, and the algorithms are nothing new. So I wouldn't right. want to be a teenager following a tea in China. But to close out <laughs> the to close out the show, it's tough because I have a lot of bad habits. I need to go find somebody to help me with my habits. It's hard to create new habits. It's hard mm-hmm. to come oh, go, get over a lot of pain and unresolved issues. Yes. And I, I, my favorite, I hope, see, if I had some sense, I would start a, a 51C3, but people would be mad at me. Because I'll be like those bar rescue or restaurant rescue shows. I'll come in with my 51C3 and say, I'm going I'm to break you down. We're going to fight. We're going to argue. <laughs> but at the end of the show, you're going to be hugging me and say, Mr. Sims, you did the right thing. I'm so glad you came. So it, to 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 tr- to transform, to change, to really transform, mm-hmm. it's really hard and really painful. Without that, and I mean, it don't have to be too bad, but it's going to be some pain as we transform into something better. Oh, and yeah. if you're not willing to do it, like sometimes I'm not willing to do it, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> that that's true. And the old models, unfortunately, are not working. You know, I remember when you and Cyron were talking last week. You know, Cyron mentioned something to the effect that. In many instances, you know, particularly you know, black-led organizations, they want to be careful about what they say and what they do because they don't want to cut off any of the grant funding or or any of that kind of stuff. You know, because you know, obviously, nonprofits, just like anything else, is political. 
But even if that wasn't a factor, this day and age, especially with this COVID-19 stuff and the whole transformation of our economy, we can't really be so dependent on grants, you know, because that grant money really is not going to be there. You know, we need to develop business models that are more um, focused on revenue generation. And when I say revenue versus grants, I'm talking about creating services that you can actually charge for and that the community will actually pay for. And in some cases that you can actually get reimbursement from the government through a contract to provide, you know, that is probably going to be the wave of the future rather than focusing so much on grants, you know, doing proposals and saying, I I got a solution to a problem. Will you, you know, give me the money so that we can solve it together? You know, foundations are stretched from can to can, and, you know, there's only so much money that's going to go around, you know, for them to give you grants and then you know they may change at the drop of a hat you know the flavor of the year you know if you're not the flavor of the year then your organization which could be a very well managed organization that's doing some really really good work but if you can't find a foundation partner who is interested in that work today then you know you're vulnerable so we're going to have to be more entrepreneurial in our nonprofit pursuit, you know, a, a prime example of a nonprofit that uh, generates revenue would be a university or a hospital. You know, so this is not new stuff. We we just need to make sure that we drill it down to the grassroots as well. Valerie Leonard, I'm so glad you came here. So I had to let you talk. So you got the, you got that uh, Kellogg School of Management, Northwestern University. So you got that degree. And you went to Spelman. And Whit- I, I, Whitney Young. See, that's why you're so articulate and smart. It's been a pleasure. Oh, I love it. I love oh, it. You've been thank great. Thank you. Thank you. But I, I credit my parents for that. 